0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: Anyone want coffee? Hello, fellow book writers and caffeine fiends. Welcome to a daily cup of Joe, where you'll get to hear from publishing industry pros and affirm your inner bookworm.
2: Welcome to another
1: edition of a daily cup of Joe. I'm Joe Michaels of the Joe Michaels blog, and I'll be your host again today. Yay! Today I have with me authors S.M. Boyce and J.M. Cheney of the Indie Pub Podcast. We'll talk about how they're making a huge splash in the indie author world. You'll also get information on what podcasts they've produced to date, and what's in the works. We'll touch on Voices' site, The Haven, and you'll be introduced to a whole new world of information for indies that serves a practical use. I know you're eager to get to it, so sit back, grab a cup of joe, and let's get going.
2: Hi, guys. Hey. hey how are you Thanks for having us. Yeah.
1: So, it's awesome for you guys to be here. I appreciate you gracing me with your presence today. So I'm
2: curious, boys, my dear, how do you take your coffee? I don't actually drink coffee. I'm one of those strange people who only drinks tea.
1: <laughs> <gasps>
2: She's un- well, you're still caffeinated, so that counts, I am right? caffeinated, I guess, yes. And I drink the Big Gulp, the joke. My husband calls the Trenta from uh, Starbucks, the Big Gulp. So those are the only ones I drink.
1: Absolutely. That's awesome. How about you, Cheney? Um,
0: Well, I guess when I do drink coffee, it's a frappuccino. And that uh, otherwise, I stick with Diet Coke. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> that totally Christina
1: qualifies. <laughs>
0: sure it
1: does, sure it
2: does.
1: It's okay. got coffee in it, espresso. Okay, so I'm just gonna jump in here and get the questions rolling. You guys ready to go?
2: We'll
0: oh yeah, app. definitely.
1: All right. So I'm dying of curiosity. Where the idea for the Indie Pub Podcast came from? Like, what started the whole thing?
2: It was actually – so basically, Chaney and I chat on IM every day. And we always seem to have these advanced marketing and publishing conversations. And Chaney just one day Mm -hmm. said, you know, we should record these and give them to people.
1: Yeah. And that's how
2: (laughs) the idea was born. Chaney just offered a random idea, and we're like, ah, what's wrong with that?
0: Yeah, I had a (laughs) – it was, at, it was at a point where I was, I was really into podcasts, so I was listening to all these movie podcasts and, you know, um, a, few, a few publishing podcasts, but there really aren't a whole lot of them. Uh, mm-hmm. And we had attended uh, a couple different, you know, kind of live webinars, things mm-hmm. like that, and we weren't really learning anything from them that was useful. It was really, it, it's really difficult, you know, when you're in this industry to find useful information that isn't just regurgitated from somewhere else. Right. Um, you know, so we've been talking about this stuff and we've been listening to these, you know, professionals. And I was just like, you know, we seem to be coming into all this information and there's a lot of confusion out there and there's no real clarity, no real direction for a lot of new authors. So maybe we can start putting this stuff out there as we discover it.
1: So that makes a lot podcast of sense.
0: Just so seemed, yeah, the podcast just seemed like the best way to do it. And a lot of this information, you know, a lot of people end up having to pay for it. They pay like a $1,000 for a class and, you know, they get access to cool. this stuff. And it's it seems like it's overpriced. It seems like, you know, it's not really fair to new people who don't really have direction.
1: Right. And in being expensive, you have to get more out of every one rather than the same stuff over and over. I totally identify. I get it. So how long
2: have you guys known each other? He was the maid of honor at my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> We've known each other for a while.
0: Yeah, it's been about <laughs> six or seven years, I think, since yeah. college. Yeah, okay.
1: Oh, wow. So where did you go to college?
0: Florida State University. Where?
1: Florida State. Where?
0: Yeah. Florida State.
1: Florida State. Oh, nice. So is that where you guys still live, Florida?
0: No, no. We. Um, she, she lives in Washington State. Uh, she just moved there. I live in uh, Washington, D.C., or right outside of it. But I'm about to move to Florida in a couple weeks.
1: Oh, wow. So boys, you travel a long way to come to the conference in Tennessee, huh? Yes. <laughs> it's oh, whoa. Quite a <laughs> but I love you all, no, so... <laughs> uh, we love you, too. It was so good to see you this year and, and actually get to sit down with you for more than two seconds and have a real conversation. Oh, we had a delightful you always I enjoyed it. We, we absolutely did. You're usually like, hey, I see you. I'll talk to you in a minute. And then you lose track of that person and don't get the chance again. <laughs> just so busy. So um, how
2: did you guys come up with the name The Indie Pub Podcast? That was actually really difficult. We were trying to come up with a name that would... Serve keywords, but at the same time tell you what's it, what it's about. Um, we, we crossed off quite a few uh, names. I think Leatherbound Authors was one of them, but while I originally thought Leatherbound was just, you know, Leatherbound Book, uh, a couple people pointed out that um, that has kind of a BDSM twist to it. and Maybe we shouldn't really use that for a podcast name. <laughs>
1: That's funny. <laughs> So how long have you guys been doing the Indie Pub podcast, not podcasts in general or radio shows or any inter- like interviews like that, but specifically this one? When did you start it, and what feedback have you gotten from authors so far?
2: Well, we are actually brand new. So we have recorded four episodes, and we, they're set to go out a month after we record. So we launch officially on August 3rd, and we'll be releasing a new podcast. The folks we've had on so far have been wonderful and have had so much information. I know I've learned something from every podcast.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah. I can't wait to share these with everyone. (laughs) That's
1: awesome. And for the listeners out there who are following along on Blog Talk Radio, these live links are actually in the show description, so you can go – Visit the Indie Pub Podcast um, website or Voices Writing Corner. So go take a look at that while you're listening. Um, all right, guys. So what what is your plan for the future for your podcast? Like, what who do you plan to have on? You know, special guests or topics? Well, actually, or?
0: actually we, um, we're getting ready to do, it, to do a podcast with uh, Rick Mulready, who is a former. He used to work for Facebook in the ads department and now he teaches classes on it, like how to effectively put those out there and um, get the most out of your um, ad campaign on Facebook. Very useful. Um, wow. Boyce and I have learned a lot from him, so that's going to be a really good one. We had um, Heather Hildebrand on, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, lots, of, lots great. of successful indie authors and some traditional authors, too.
2: Yeah, we had Chelsea Fine on um, a couple weeks ago. Hers goes live in two weeks, and she talked to us about indie, traditional, and hybrid publishing, and how to know which one's right for you. And I I learned a lot from that because that's kind of the avenue I'm going toward is hybrid publishing, and I'm excited to hear her yeah, story. Yeah, she was a blast to talk to. She's just awesome. I love her. She is, and she's so cute and
1: so sweet, and just
0: you want to talk so about somebody with, like who's just bursting with energy.
1: <laughs> definitely her ice bucket challenge was probably the cutest one i watched on youtube it was just she's just a, a whiz it was it was adorable. <laughs> so what what do you guys plan for the future like your expansion do you plan to go live ever or are you just going to stick to this or like expand like what what are your plans for the future for your podcast
0: well we've been talking about that here and there uh, right now we're just concentrating on getting Um, you know, useful content out to everybody, Um, you know, that new authors and intermediate authors can really take advantage of and um, learn as much as possible. But also in the future we'd like to do some live streams, answer, you know, have Q&A sessions with people um, and, Mm -hmm. you know, even do some coaching um, for those who are interested. And that's all on our website and everything. You can check that out.
2: We actually offer all those bonuses right now through Patreon. We've created a Patreon page for the IndiePub podcast. So if Mm -hmm. folks do want to really dig in deep and learn as much as they possibly can from this podcast, that is a great way to get killer bonuses, including coaching from us,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: which we don't offer outside of that Patreon But, you
0: know, there's no obligation to do any of that stuff. Like, if you're one of those... Um, authors who's just you—you you don't want to spend any money on that. You know, you're still gonna get the podcast for free. So mm-hmm. we just want to get you know that information out there to help people.
1: I love helping people. That's what I'm all about. I'm—I am yeah. a huge indie author advocate. <laughs> <laughs> Fight for their right. Yeah, um, a, yeah. Great <laughs> it's So supportive. It absolutely is. Yes, it really is. Um, Alice and I were just talking about that the other day. How sometimes, if you're not a hybrid published author, and you're traditionally published, how you're kind of cut off from that really supportive indie author world because you're just not embroiled in it.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: You know, like you're totally missing out on all those connections that you may have. And I'm not sure because I know a few traditionally published authors, but not a bunch of them. Most of the people I know are indie, and they tend to click together. Do you guys find uh, that? Oh, you know what? That's
2: right. Because Chelsea was talking about that on her podcast. Um, she mentioned that she went to um, a conference recently and just felt kind of isolated. You could tell there were clicks, and it was very—it um, wasn't very inviting. Yeah, I mean, I could—I could totally see that. How if
1: you were traditional, like you're not encouraged to go out there and connect with each other, you know? We have to because we're. We all have now. to. We have to band together. We we don't survive, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, where do your topic ideas come from? Like the people that you invite on, do you ask them, or do you guys come up with them? And how is that working out?
0: Yeah, we talk about it with them and uh, try to get people who are, I guess, experts on on those topics. Um, but also, we mm-hmm. think about you know when we started out, like what were the questions that we had when we were um, first getting into this. You know, um, when we were debating whether or not to go traditional or indie, you know, so we have a podcast about that. Um, How do you get reviews when you start out? You know, like that was a big thing for me. It was a big thing for Boyce. Um, You know, what's a street team? How important is an email list? You know, these things. Uh, So we try to do one topic individually for each podcast, and we try to get somebody who knows more than we do to come on, and share their experiences
1: well i don't voice is pretty in, informed so i imagine that becomes
2: quite a struggle there when you're looking for someone yeah. who knows more than she you does you do flatter me ma'am <laughs> yeah that was yeah, one of those things really where fun. i speak the truth go on <laughs> uh, so it's really um, fun to reach out to all these go ahead it's really fun to reach out to all these people who do know more than us because um, mm-hmm. we, we have these collections of questions that we ask at every call and we have them bring questions to the table too, you know, questions they wish they'd known. Through those really in-depth questions, we can just dig deeper uh, than mm-hmm. you would otherwise. So I like having that spread of questions. It helps a lot. Oh, what, what would be a
1: typical question that you would lead with if you were asking somebody to come on the show?
2: Oh, well, we just dive right in. Let me get an example up. Um, for the Facebook one that we're going to be recording soon, actually, mm-hmm. um, we ha- we talked about why should I use Facebook ads? Do they really work for authors? What are Facebook ads versus boosted posts? How do mm. I use them to market my books specifically? Like we talk about Facebook ads and how they pertain to authors specifically, because a lot of these classes just talk about entrepreneurs in general, whereas mm-hmm. we want to talk about authors, what kind of opt-ins they can use to get people into their email, email list through Facebook ads on how they can make Facebook ads successful for them. So, okay, here's a question I have
1: for you. If everybody starts using the same formula, does it dilute the system, or is that something you
2: guys are going to find out during your your podcast that you do with him, or...? I think the cream will yeah. always rise to the top. You can't. I mean, formulas do always become inundated after a while when you know the secret's out, so to speak. But that's right. why successful indies have to constantly be innovating. You know, you have to. We're going into Facebook ads now because we see it as an opportunity. There will be tons more opportunities down the road. Just a matter yeah, the of the industry is always for you. It's right, also it important to It like the, the tags. Amazon tag. Yeah, kind of.
1: Yeah, they did away with those because it was just being overdone. Okay, what were you saying, Chaney? Sorry.
0: I was going to say it's also important to note that, you know, there, there's two types of uh, indie authors who put their books out. There's the kind that put it out there and they, they step back and they say, okay, I've done my part. And then there's the kind
2: mm-hmm.
0: who are listening, you know, um, to this broadcast right now who, who care and they want, they know that they have to do more than just write that book. They have to advertise it. They have to market it. They have to do all these things. And they're interested in finding that information out. But I would say the vast majority of independent books that are put on Amazon, they never go anywhere. And it's largely, I think, due because due to the fact that people don't know that they have to wear multiple hats. You know, they're not just a writer anymore. They're a marketer. They're an advertiser. Right.
1: Yeah, I was just talking about that with my sister the other day. Um... So, and and this leads me to my next question. She knows a lot of people who have vanity published with, you know, a vanity press. And have you guys considered maybe doing a show on vanity publishing to either, you know, go through the pros and cons or...
2: We actually did with Chelsea. I didn't realize that her first book was vanity published. And we talked about the pros and cons of vanity publishing and what it really is. Hmm. So, uh, again, for listeners, um, you can find
1: that podcast with Chelsea Fine in the – there's a live link in the show description. You can go over there and check that one out by all means. Yes, please do. So um, <laughs> besides uh-huh. Facebook marketing, what other platforms are you guys going to look into digging into in the future? Are you looking at, like, Twitter and, like, email blasts and things like that? I know you said that you mentioned email marketing, like having an email list, but what about Twitter
2: well, I think email is probably the most important one because that's one of the few you actually have control over.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's imperative that you get an email list together, and we're going to talk more about that in the future. We're just trying to find the perfect author to come on and talk to us about it. Um, we are also going to talk about advertising, like BookBub, uh, Free fee, creating a schedule for an effective launch, stuff like that. Um, We've talked a bit about blog tours. We talked about that with Heather Hildenbrand, actually, and how mm-hmm. um, they used to be, you know, the biggest thing, the thing everyone did. And like with so many formulas, the uh, the effectiveness wore off over time. So we're just going to constantly be looking at marketing trends and add those into our episodes as we can.
0: Yeah, we're also going to be talking about, um, you know, audiobooks. Like I, I just um, submitted my first audio book, uh, voices in the process of doing the same thing. A lot of people, um, including me when I, when I started out, no idea how to get that done. You know, how do you right. find a narrator, stuff like that? Uh-huh. You know, we're just trying to answer those questions that, you know, people might ask.
1: Right. I was actually struggling with that myself here recently and I had some auditions and none of them hit the mark and I was, I, I got frustrated and gave up. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would definitely be helpful. <laughs> I would love to hear that one. <laughs> so um, I know that, um, Boyce, you have The Haven on, the, your website is The Haven, yes. where you help, you help authors. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, and do you plan to do a podcast about it?
2: Yeah, actually, we haven't talked about doing a podcast for it, but that's a fabulous idea. <laughs> uh, the Haven <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> is a life-changing community for writers of all kinds. And really the focus of it is to help you through the dark times when you feel like you're not good enough or when you feel like you're completely alone. Because mm-hmm. writing, there's this stereotype that writers are lonely creatures that we have to just sit in a cave for eight hours a day and write our book. When in fact, that's just not true, especially in this day and age. <laughs> so I created The Haven as a way for people to... um Sorry. Um, I created the Haven as a way for writers to connect with each other, and we have people internationally. We have writers in Australia, you know, and and it's, it's nice to see how everyone in the writing community can have similar experiences and connect with others who can be as supportive as they need.
1: Oh, absolutely, and Facebook groups too where you can talk about your feels and stuff and people are there listening, it helps. Yes. Tremendous. And actually, yeah, we
0: uh we just started a Facebook group specifically for the Indie Pub podcast. So if any of your listeners are interested and they want to get updates or they want to talk with other um, writers, experienced writers in the community, every one of our guests that we have on or we have scheduled to come on, they're in that group, and um, you know they're there to give advice. So
2: yeah, it's a powerful group, and with the Haven. Um we also have a private Facebook group for The Haven. And every Monday, I challenge you to create, to connect with your writing in a different way. So we have a creative call to action every Monday. And then every Friday, we connect with each other and see how we did. And I do the call to action with you every week. So it's a really great community. Oh, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, to be part of, it's kind of like being part of something bigger than yourself. You almost have to, or you end up isolated exactly. in your case. with with your computer screen (laughs) looking like Artemis Bauer. Yeah, Um, 13-year-old, super genius. So um, (laughs) we've touched on um, your email list. So how do you guys feel about, like,
2: you putting personal things into that email list? There's definitely a fine line. You know, you want to be authentic, and you want to be vulnerable. But you don't want to tell your entire email list, you know, that you sobbed until 3 a.m. Typically, the rule that I have with vulnerability is um, you can be vulnerable. You can share your problems with your your email list, with people online, but only if you present Mm -hmm. a solution afterwards because you don't want people to perceive you as a complainer. You want them to see you as someone who can relate to what they're going through and show them a way out of it. That's very sage advice to anyone
1: listening, very sage (laughs) advice. Um, And links to The Haven are actually in the description of the podcast as well. So um, there was something else that I wanted to ask you specifically, Boyce. Um, Since (laughs) you are such an advocate of indie authors in general, uh, is there like one piece of advice that you would give to anyone who's just starting out?
2: I have a couple. It's so hard to pick one. (laughs) (laughs) I think the biggest one is to grow thick skin. Um, this is the one that has helped me through my writing career. No matter yeah. how beautiful and wonderful and kind and giving and talented you are, someone out there will not like you. Someone out there will not like your work, and you can't take it personally because it's not about you. It's about their experience and what they're going through in life. That has been one of the hardest lessons for me to learn. Um, I, you know, I've been attacked by trolls before, and I just can't care. Because it's not about me, it's about them, whether it's they don't think indies should exist because they want to preserve the traditional model, whether it's they just never got around to writing that book and you did, so you're more successful and they're envious. I mean, they could legitimately also just not like your writing, and that's cool, too, because writing is an art, and that means it's subjective, and some people will like it and some people won't, and it's okay. Right. I always say, you know, even Harry Potter has one-star
1: reviews. Like, I know. (laughs) If you ever feel
2: bad about one-star reviews, look up your favorite book and check out that book's one-star reviews. You cannot please everyone.
1: Absolutely. Someone offered to burn a copy of one of mine. I was like, will you videotape that while you do it?
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. And
2: that kind of anger is not necessary (laughs) at all.
1: I know why. Stop an author from writing, you know? Yeah, but I mean, it was it 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 is a southern book, and I I I did make southerners sound a little lazy in our speech. But hey, we are right. So, I think that since that person was from the south, it hit them really hard that you know I had dropped the G's off (laughs) the words, most of the words in speech in dialogue, because that's the way we talk. And it's the only book I've ever written like that. The only book I ever will write like that. But it was fun to do, and. Hey, I enjoyed it. But she offered to burn it, and I was like, as long as you'll videotape it, hey, it shot J.K. Rowling, the bestseller. Just hit me up. I will sign one and send it to you. <laughs> just put it on YouTube. Um, anyway. Yeah, please, let it on. <laughs> That's right. And if you try, you will certainly fail. So um, you guys in your books. Um, boys, let's start with you, and then we'll go to Chaney. Um, what genre do you
2: write in? Typically, I write fantasy um, whether it's epic fantasy or my upcoming urban fantasy, um, but I'm also branching into paranormal horror. So I have a really scary ghost story coming up that should be released before Halloween this year. That's right up my alley, girlfriend. Yes, please bring the horror. I <laughs> it.
1: Stephen King, how about you, Oh uh,
0: Science fiction. And uh, specifically right now, I'm doing a series called The Variant Saga, first book out it's called the amber project and uh it's a young adult dystopian sci-fi series typically i think um i'll probably stick with sci-fi for the extended future Uh, it's most of what i read it's what i enjoy and it's what i like to write
1: amen i love science fiction um so i'm going to go into that here for a second so science fiction do you find that you're you're doing a lot more research to make your fiction seem more realistic as you write.
0: Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, so the first, the first book that I, you know, that I released the Amber project, I read four books on genetics and consulted with uh, doctors, you know, that, you know, at at my college and um, people that I went to school with who graduated and and went into that field. um, I actually, was lucky enough to be friends with the geneticist. So I consulted a lot and I uh, researched as much as I could just to make sure it was realistic enough. You know, and that's, that's one of the things when you write sci-fi, you have to do so much research. It's ridiculous. The one that I'm writing right now, I've had to read up on, you know, the plausibility of black holes and, um, or I'm sorry, not black holes, um, wormholes and, Mm -hmm. Uh, terraforming, all kinds of all kinds of stuff, but it's it's a lot of fun because you learn so much. Um, goth's weapons, you know things like that, and you end up researching stuff that you when you start the book you're like, oh, I'm it's gonna be it's gonna be simple, it's gonna be easy, and then you end up on this tangent when you write, and you have to research for seven eight hours for a paragraph. Mm-hmm. You
1: know,
0: it becomes I this, do. Yeah, it, it just becomes this whole thing, but. It's so rewarding once you're done and you get that light bulb moment and you're like, oh, I got it now. You know, <laughs> it makes it all right. worth it.
1: Do you have any suggestions for people or tips for people who are planning to write a science fiction book and they have all this research to do on how to get in touch with those professionals? Like, How should they approach them and ask questions?
0: Oh, um, I would find an online community where you can, like a web form or something like that, that's uh, geared towards Um, you know, something in that field, whatever it is. If it's astronomy, go to an astronomy forum, um, you know, something like that. If If you're lucky enough like me to know somebody in that field, you know, all the better. But make sure you have it right. You know, make sure you have the information right because your readers, science fiction readers are very unforgiving. And they will call you out if you get it wrong. So...
1: I'm 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 positive they will. I haven't had that experience yet. But yeah. <laughs> I did actually go to my front door and pick the lock in order to explain how to do it, and I still missed the mark. My editor came back, and she was like, uh, no, I don't get it. I was like, oh, no, I have to do it again. <laughs> so I'm there. I'm, I'm waiting for someone to say I still can't pick a lock. So, yeah, I get it. Um, it. It's one of my pet peeves also. Whenever I'm reading a book and it doesn't sound like it could actually happen, yeah. So have you had reviews, like you or boys? have you guys had reviews that say, okay, this is good, but it didn't seem realistic or that it could happen?
0: Not yet, well, I mean, thankfully.
1: Oh, just wait, Cheney.
2: <laughs> <I> <laughs> I'm mean, sure I
0: will eventually.
2: Maybe it's just a different in genre, fantasy versus sci-fi. Because Sci-fi is the exploration of science, and fantasy is basically bringing to life the impossible, so there has to be that kind of suspension of disbelief. Um, Mm -hmm. I've had people tell me the book was paced too fast the book was paced too slow I've had people tell me one thing didn't make any sense at all and the next person says it was their favorite part of the book you have to be careful with reviews and take every single Mm -hmm. feedback with a grain of salt because in the end of the day your name is on the book and you need to be comfortable with the story you've created
1: that's very very good advice And if you don't have a thick skin, it's probably not going to work out. Um, (laughs) Have you? (laughs) Yeah, you'll end up, like, in a hole covering yourself with dirt going, I suck. Um, So have you had? (laughs) I've almost been there, I have to admit. Uh, Yeah, well, I think we all have at some point. You have that one review and you're just like, or the first bad review that you ever get. You're just like, oh, my God, I suck so (laughs) badly.
0: Um, we, we just did a podcast, you know, I was uh, talking about the review podcast we did with Heather Hildebrand, and she brought that up. She said, you know, sometimes you're going to have uh, conflicting reviews, you know. Somebody might say, if I remember her words correctly, she, um, she was talking about sex in, the, in books. Like, this book had too much sex, and they gave it a one star, you know. And then the other one was, like, not enough sex. You know, So your readers are going to vary <laughs> drastically on what their preferences are.
1: But sometimes, not those, but sometimes that one-star review helps, though, right? Because people go, oh, there's a lot of sex in this book. Bye, right? And that's what they're <laughs> into. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I have a review on one of my um, – I wrote a historical fiction novel. It was my second – And the reviewer goes into how it's not an accurate representation of the historical fiction, historical character's life. And it's not, it's historical fiction. But, you know, I appreciated that review because I don't want other people to buy the book thinking that it's exactly historical because it is historical fiction. So it didn't sting quite as badly as it would have if it had been historically accurate. You know what I mean? I I did take liberties with the timeline and, things that happened to make the story what I wanted it to be. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's not uncommon at all. Stephen King just wrote a book, um, like, two years ago called 11 63 yeah. and that's about the JFK right. assassination and time travel. And he had to change mm-hmm. some stuff. You know? That just happens when you write historical work.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the, there's that key word in there, though. It's, you know, it's fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and, and it's classified as historical fiction and historical romance so i don't don't know what he was thinking when he bought it but i I would give him his money back if i knew who he was um i hate that so (laughs) i'm serious i it makes me feel so badly if they hated a book that i wrote that they bought they paid money for and they read and i just feel like i wasted their time you know what i mean like wow i just really want to give you your money back i'm here to entertain you not make you upset so anyway so what's another podcast you guys have coming up besides the Facebook one that that you listeners can get so excited about they're just going to have to rush out and listen to it
2: right away well the first one that's going up on uh, the fourth with Kelly Ross is about editing beta readers and the editing process so that one was really informative and kind of builds up the structure of how to edit and write a book that one's going to be really really helpful is that for self-editing also? Um, yeah, kind of. It's it's some self-editing and mostly relies on alpha readers, beta readers, and your editors, the proofreaders, and how you yeah, build we, up uh, a strong team.
0: We tried to cover the whole spectrum with that. You know, we don't want to leave any ground. Um, you know, not explored. So we got into the best ways you can you can do it yourself, um, including certain mm-hmm. programs you can use, uh, beta readers, alpha readers, your street team, um, um, and how to find a good editor.
2: And we also go into how to do all those things if you're new and maybe don't have a street team yet or don't know of any beta or alpha readers that would work for you. So we mm-hmm. basically teach you how to start from scratch if you need that. And also talk to more advanced levels if you have a street team and have a community to work with. Oh,
1: yeah, that's going to make a lot of people extremely happy because
2: yeah, I don't know about
1: – well, we get um, – at Indie Books on Wild, we get a lot of requests for pricing, and you can tell that no one has self-edited, so to give them steps to help them, you know, work through some of their own writing hang-ups before you go to an editor, and sometimes it to save you some money, yeah?
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, <So>. definitely. <laughs> So people definitely need to listen to that podcast when it comes live. Again, listeners, Mm -hmm. the link is live. It's in the description of the show. So get on over there and check them out. Um, So do you guys feel that writers should
2: self-edit before they submit to an editor? Yeah. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yes. Um, Yeah, definitely. It's just so important to make sure that you put your best foot forward. You don't want your editor to be your babysitter. You know, you got to go through and clean it up as best you can. Right, because they charge you through the nose if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's oh, true. Right? I mean, if you're okay with that, I I'm, I'm personally want to improve, so I try to
0: make the book as best as I can before I send it out.
2: And Absolutely. the thing is, uh,
0: once you do submit to an editor, you know, you're going to get that manuscript back, and it's going to have red ink all over it. Mm-hmm. But you're going to learn something from that experience, and you're going to get better. And then the next manuscript you submit to an editor will be it'll have less red ink on it you know and you'll continue to improve so it's a process absolutely
1: and, and don't, send <laughs> no, uh, no, don't send rough drafts no
2: don't send rough drafts
1: yeah that'll just get you put in file 13. um no i'm kidding <laughs> we actually point people to a self-editing outline that they can go through and then resubmit just because it's so expensive if you
2: don't. Yeah. You know, yeah, so definitely on the podcast. That.
0: You did go what?
2: ahead, um, A tool we talked about on the podcast actually helps you go through your work. Um, I forget what it's called, Chaney. I'm completely blanking. AutoCrit. AutoCrit, thank you. Yeah. Um, you basically upload your manuscript to AutoCrit and it will go through mm-hmm. and look for repetitive phrases, it'll look for weak week points in your writing. It'll look for passive writing, cliches. It's a really powerful tool. It is not the end-all be-all. I think you should still have an editor afterward. It does not proofread. But it can drastically strengthen your writing. So that's another tool that people use. Everything is a rock surgery, right? I mean, it's
1: not difficult to do, but you have to learn what your own hang-ups are and watch out for those especially, right?
2: Yeah, you need to learn your crutches. What were you saying? One
0: of my crutches is the word just. I use it way too much. Yeah, I think one of mine is anyway. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, but Autocrit, um, just so everybody knows, there's two ways to go about using that. You can pay for it, um, or you can use the free um, online mm-hmm. version or whatever. But the, the free one, you, you can only put 5,000 words in. You know, so you can do that as many times as you want for your entire book if you want, or you can pay for it and just copy-paste your entire novel on there, your entire manuscript, um, which is what we do. And it scans the entire document in a matter of minutes, and you just go through and look at all the, uh, you know, all the crutch words, all the repetitive phrases and everything all at once. Very useful.
1: That's really awesome. And you guys go into links and things like that on your podcast, right?
0: Oh, yeah. definitely, yeah. Everything
1: we talk about in our podcast is linked underneath. Okay, very cool, very cool. Hope everybody heard that. It will be on the podcast. You will have the links. They will put them up there. you got to check it out. So, um, okay, we have about seven minutes left here. I want to know you guys one at a time. Wi- what, I know you're writers, but what do you like to read? Because we're all readers. So what what do
2: you get really excited about?
1: I Go ahead, really
2: boys. love dark fantasy. A lot. Neil Gaiman is probably my favorite author, and his latest book, Ocean at the End of the Lane, made me cry. It was so beautiful. I just loved it. So I'm a big fan of anything magical. How about you, Um
0: For me, I would say sci-fi. Uh, recently, I've been on a Stephen King binge. I just read mm-hmm. Misery. Uh, that other book I was talking okay. about, Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three. Um, mm-hmm. I read an, another one of the Dark Tower books. Um, I'm also reading Armada by Ernest Cline, who was the author of Ready Player One, which was a recent bestseller. Um, yeah, mostly I stick to sci-fi. I love it. I can't get enough of it.
1: So, do you feel like you read what you write?
0: Definitely, yeah. Um, Two of my favorite. Uh, my favorite book is The Game. I read a lot of uh, Orson Scott Card, John Scalzi. You know, people like that can't get enough. Piers Anthony? Oh, yeah, Piers Anthony, On a Pale Horse, great book.
1: <laughs> yes, okay, I just totally threw a name out there. I identified myself as a science fiction geek. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I love it. Seriously, I can't get enough of his novels. They're just
0: so funny. <laughs> I haven't read those, oh. but I hear they're pretty good.
1: They're amazing. The world of puns. As mm-hmm. a writer, they crack me up. Oh, my God. So how, how about uh, you, boys?
2: In terms of specific authors or sci-fi? Um,
1: no. Do you feel like you write what you read?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what I read inspires what I write and vice versa.
1: Are you ever afraid that you're going to repeat something that you read in a book somewhere, even if it was 20 years ago that you didn't remember that you read the book somewhere
2: and you accidentally um, repeat it wrong? Writing is plagiarizing, right? I <laughs> not yeah. uh, I think as long as you, as long as you make it yours in some way, a mm-hmm. lot of—I mean, almost every story has been repeated in some fashion and you just need to give a twist to it that makes it uniquely you and inspires people who read it.
0: Yeah, your your tastes are an accumulation of what you've read and what you've seen in the past, you know, growing up and as a child and as a teenager. So, you know, Tolkien was inspired by people that came before him. So it's all about how you make it yours, like voices saying.
1: Oh, absolutely. Do you do you feel like your your life experiences? If you've never experienced something, should you write about it?
2: Um, Unless think, you do intense research.
0: No. Yeah, I think uh, we all we all write our first book. Um, you know, our first book is very personal. You know, we we implant ourselves in there on some level. You know, in our, in our okay. life experiences. But as you grow as an author, I think you can branch out more. You learn to research and you learn how to um provide these new um perspectives but when you're starting out that's a little bit more difficult
1: isn't it it's i think i I just wrote a blog post on that the other day i think um experience versus age like i find that a lot of authors are in their 30s and i wonder if it's because we wait so long because we don't have the life experience to really put anything on paper before then
0: very curious to me. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, you know, I've been studying creative writing for over 10 years, and it was only, it wasn't until um, this last year where I actually felt comfortable publishing something, you know. And yeah, so
1: why do you think that,
0: that is? is? What do you think? Yeah. I just, what do you think? You know, you struggle a lot with uh, self doubt when you're starting out yeah. and uh, getting to the point where you think, okay, this is good enough, finally. You're never going to get to that point. You know, that's, what, that's one of the realizations you have to go through is you're never going to say to yourself that this is good enough for everyone. I, I'm 100% okay with this manuscript. There's always going to be something. It's just getting to the point where you can accept that and move on. Um, but I've heard stories of famous authors who, you know, they're standing, I, I, I forget who it was, but they were standing in their agent's office holding their published book. You know, and it was a New York Times bestseller, and she was sitting there with a red, you know, with a ping, marking corrections (laughs) in the margins. So, yeah, you just have to to move on.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, you do. Once it's done, you have to let it go. I don't know how to do that personally. But, hey, everybody has their own thing, right? Um, Yeah, yeah, (laughs) as I've learned editing, I do end up going back, and I'm like, oh, God, I can't believe I actually published that. So, um, okay, so you guys are hoping that Indies will get all of this great information that we've talked about today from your podcast, right? You're going to hit up on many of these topics, yes? Mm -hmm. Yep. Awesome. So um, are there any parting
2: words you would like to leave us with? We have about a minute and a half left. Thank you so much for having us. It's been great to talk about the podcast, and I can't wait to see how it helps people.
0: Yeah, this has been a blast really enjoyed it can't i really see, appreciate uh, you guys coming for Excellent. sure can't yeah wait to see we what? Uh, we, i always gonna say i can't wait to um see the reaction that we get from our podcast from people hopefully it will help oh, some of your yeah some of your audience out
1: i'm hoping, I'm hoping my hoping this will help the audience. audience yeah <laughs> hey have them film it you <laughs> never know <laughs> That's what happened with Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling, you know, public book. Partner. Yeah, so, um, okay, thank you guys so much for coming on. I really appreciate you giving me 45 minutes of your time today. It was just completely inspirational and so informative, and I'm so looking forward to you guys going live. So for any listeners out there, there are links to Voice's Writing Corner, the IndiePub podcast. You can find out more about SM Voice and J.N. Chang, or you can go visit voices like The Haven. All of those links are live in the comments down or the show description down below. So um, thanks everybody for joining us and I hope you all have a great day.
2: Thanks so much. Bye.
1: Bye.